What's up, guys? This is episode 59 of the Division 3's Fives podcast. A little different show for you guys today. In honor of Kobe Bryant, we're doing a full Kobe Legacy podcast while discussing his top eight moments slash accomplishments in the NBA. But before we do that, we're doing a brief Super Bowl recap, and then professional three-on-three basketball player Spencer Jennings will join us on the podcast for the main part of our show. I'm glad we're doing this, but at the same time, I just wish you know we were doing it for different reasons, maybe to honor Kobe for his 50th birthday or after his daughter Gigi had a big you know basketball game creating her own legacy. It's still hard to believe, but you know we can't even imagine what the Bryant family is going through and all the families impacted by the helicopter crash. So uh, we send our prayers and condolences to all the families involved with the crash, and we hope you guys are still receiving tons of support around the world. So I think we're ready to go. We love you guys and hope you guys enjoy the show. Here we go. Previously on the Division 3's Finest Podcast. Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans. Next Peyton Manning, Taysom Hill. What? No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game. Uh, so, like, what are the best kind of steroids that I could get? That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, you took Sprite Cranberry you took, over. You took Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. I'd rather drink my own piss than cram it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all. And then, uh, like, those guys are always, they're like they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub yeah. is I try and ask is, do you or do you not have dragons? Rick! <laughs> you got a name by the 69 guys. I feel like really good. I, I know. <laughs> this is this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So Maya, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I work Jacob. Uh, a professional now, big uh, professional guy. Episode 59 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast coming up next. What's up, guys? Episode 59 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast. We do have one guest before we get to our main show with Spencer Jennings. Andrew Gillen, my co-host, The Man, would you like to do the honors of introducing our recurring guest real quick? Absolutely. Um, another tally on his uh, Mount Rushmore head start, um, so congrats on that. Um, but he is one of our favorites. You know, always good to see him. Reoccurring guest, Jacob Schubert. How you doing, bud? Never lost. Okay. That's it. That's it. Never lost. Well, technically, you okay. did lose hot ones, so. You did lose, actually. <laughs> Maybe lost once. Lost one, only one time. All right. And whole Bethany College career. So, all right. So, before we, uh, we do our recap, I do want to cover just, you know, this is the end of our hot ones picks, and it was electric. I feel like we're not getting enough credit for the finish, honestly. So, I guess... So- I'll do a quick recap. I don't think people. I don't think people realize like really what it came down to. I don't right. think. I think the time, like the timeline of events, is lost on some people. Yeah. So I'll just do a quick recap. So Shub had the Chiefs. Gil had the 49ers, and Shub is down one game. So wins the game. He ties it up, and we did a tiebreaker just in case it <laughs> happened. So thank God we did. And so Shub was down two to one. It looked like it was going to come down to Trump tweets over under to see if they tied it up, and then all of a sudden. Um, you know, Chiefs get a pick, and we see the Chiefs pouring orange Gatorade on Andy Reid to exactly. clinch uh, the 
the tiebreaker for Gil, who picked orange, and she picked red, and unfortunately did not look I like red at all. Could not argue that it looked like red. So. Couldn't argue at all. I remember texting you guys like midway through the fourth quarter, like, fellas, I'm seeing a lot of orange Gatorade on the Chiefs' sidelines. Like, this is not looking good for me. Yeah. So, and like, I like right before they went to that clip, I saw another trainer with like an orange Gatorade bottle, and I was like, no, I'm going to lose. <laughs> and I had to see Andy Reid just getting doused in orange Gatorade, and I just knew. I just knew it was over. Unfortunate, uh, really. Trump tweets was under, though, wasn't it? If we don't count retweets. It was under, I believe. It doesn't matter. So yeah, it doesn't we matter. Can say it was under. So yeah. it was under, and if it wasn't for Orange Gatorade, Gil would well, be hot sauce. What? And no. so that's, and that's, that's kind of what I think, that's what got, had me going at least. So obviously, we'll, like, you've got to keep track of the prop bets, like, as they go. Started out bad with the national anthem oh, so being bad. under. Yeah, that was tough. That, that that hurt me, and then so I'm I'm paying attention to that, and I'm going through this roller coaster just through the tiebreakers, and then you look at the game up 2010, right? And then you know I'm thinking you well, and I guess we'll just start this will just transition right into the, talking about the game. But yeah. what really stuck out to me was and not and what I think my point being it wasn't just me is everyone could kind of feel it like even up 2010 like at there was no point where I was like, oh, this is over with. Yeah. Like, I almost got, like, concerned. I was like, this is a recipe for disaster. You're going to give this man the ball seven minutes down ten. You know, this is awful. This is the worst-case scenario almost. Yeah. So it was just tough going through that roller coaster and then thinking, you know, at one point, oh, okay, Niners will pull it out and I'll be fine. None of the tiebreakers matter to seeing, okay, texting Ben, wait, what are all the tiebreakers? Like, yeah. Where are we at? Like, what do I need to have happen? And then I think you guys were ahead of me because we, right. we were streaming. So I think it was a little bit ahead. And you guys started texting, like, you know, Orange Gatorade, Orange Gatorade. And I was like, don't, like, mess with me. Like, wait, what are yeah. you talking about? And then right at that moment, I looked up and saw it got dumped, saw it got dumped on him. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little stressful, a little more gray hair going on <laughs> up, uh, over on my end for sure. I was hoping for a live reaction video from one of you guys. I think from Shu losing in that I, moment would have been funny. I thought about so, I, and I thought about doing like a live on Twitter on our Twitter. Yeah. But I thought about it. It was one of those like the classic. You know, I'm laying in bed and the Super Bowl's been over for two hours. Right, and I was yeah. like, oh, I should have done yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, maybe next time. Yeah. I'll win a bit. We can be better at that kind of stuff. The actual Gatorade shower, because like usually it doesn't happen that quick, but like mm-hmm. it was just all of a sudden, bam, like right. bomb. Because like usually they sometimes track, like the cameras track the guys going to the Gatorade. And I was yeah. like, my camera ready, but like all of a sudden, like they just go to the Gatorade, just getting doused in orange Gatorade, and it's like, oh, like that's it, and it's over, like because I know I lost. Right, that's it. Right. What, but what I think really a lot of people aren't realizing is Weather Channel. Figure out your numbers, please. Right. No. You picked the high for the day. That's when I knew I had that one no, locked up. No, I saw 72 at 6.30, and I, and I was like, all right, fine. Now, when I saw that that was the high for the day, and you're telling me the game was at 6.30, there ain't no shot it's going to be that hot. No way. Yep. Weather Channel lied to me. So, I mean, if, if Weather Channel, if you were thinking about sponsoring us, like, I have it. Kobe wouldn't, Kobe wouldn't have blamed the Weather Channel. <laughs> so for those who aren't really following right now, the final temperature when the game started was 58, and the over-under was 71. So Shub had a lot of room to work with, and he picked the over, and that ended up costing him. 
and now he has to drink hot sauce straight out of the bottle. So, unfortunate. <laughs> All right. So, I have one thing to say, and it is <clears throat> sorry, Ben. A lot of editing here. We'll bleep that out. All right. So let's talk about this game real quick. So you know, Gil brought it up like even up twenty to ten with eight minutes left, it did feel like a little uneasy, especially you know if you're rooting for 49ers. I guess first kind of question is, you know, did the 49ers blow this game or did the Chiefs you know take it or you know a combination of both? Probably you know a combination of yeah. choking well, and the Chiefs take over. A combination of both, but just for the sake of the the question, I, I mean, I definitely think, and I hate like being like this, but I do. I, I do want to put it a little bit more on the 49ers, just kind of like yeah, it almost felt like tur- like turtly on offense or like making just like the one that sticks out to me is it was like late game, kind of when they were pushing, they needed to score, and it was third and ten, and you knew I think it was like their last drive where they needed to score, or the score would have put it away, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's third and ten, and you 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 pretty much knew it was four down like territory, right? And you, Jimmy G throws a bomb. Mm-hmm. Like a, yeah. a bomb and overthrows an incomplete pass, and now you're looking at fourth and ten. When yeah. if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down anyway, yeah, check down. Maybe somewhere. be a little more concerned. So yeah. just things like that. So and that's what I mean. I didn't want to say like turtled because they did like take shots, but it was less like when they took them, they were either poorly executed, like that yeah. throw at the end. I right. think you know he hits that throw because he was open. Mm-hmm. You know he hits that obviously like game changing. You know, duh. Mm-hmm. But just it, it's a little bit of. That's why I got to put it more on the 49ers, just either lack of execution or, you know, you just picked your shots at a bad time or, or maybe where it just didn't really make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the 49ers are definitely to blame. Um, but I think the biggest person on the 49ers to blame is, is Shanahan. Um, he's out of the – there's – so there's a certain – there's a record with – I'm not sure how many wins when a team's up 10 points in the, in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. But the record something in three – and Shanahan is now involved with two of those three losses. Ooh. So, I mean, there's a little bit of blame for him. You know, the 28-3 to debacle, the, the falling apart with the, you know, with the Falcons. Like, yes, he wasn't the head coach, uh, but the big thing was the Falcons were being overly aggressive when that happened. Um, so that you can you can put the blame on him. Like, Dan Quinn's not an offensive coach. He's a defensive coach. So, like, when the offense just gets too, way too aggressive, that's not Dan Quinn's fault. That's Shanahan. He's the offensive coordinator. And then now you come to this, you know, this Super Bowl with the 49ers, you know, Gil, you put the, like, you, you kind of hit on the head, like, they got a little too conservative at some points, and when, then when they did get aggressive, it was in bad situations. So, like, he, like, did the reverse of what he did with the Falcons, and it cost them again. So, like, you know, I'm the, Kyle Shanahan, kind of a little bit of a choke artist, to be completely honest. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it. Because, I mean, if you're involved to the three worst losses in Super Bowl history, or two of the three of the worst, you know, 10-point falling apart, collapses, whatever, in Super Bowl history, like, you have a you have a chance. You're going to get the rep- representation of a choke artist. So, I'm going to go a little spin zone here. If you're blaming the 49ers, I think Jimmy G deserves more of the blame because he's the quarterback he's got to execute. But I think the Chiefs' defense is just not getting talked about. I think I think they made some huge plays down the stretch to, you know, force stops. And I mean, two plays that stick out to me was Chris Jones had two huge tip passes. One was on second and five to make it third and five, and then Jimmy G threw it away, and then the Chiefs ended up scoring the touchdown to go ahead. And then he had one tip pass on the last drive as well for the 49ers. So I think those were huge, and the Chiefs, you know, they had to get stops, and they got in the right moments. 
And, you know, just going back to Shanahan, uh, you know, another thing he's getting crap for is, you know, not calling timeout when it's t- tied 10-10 before half. I would have called timeout, but the thing that I haven't seen people talking about is, so there's 130 left, right? You call timeout, and they kicked it, and the ball bounced at the one and barely went over into the end zone. If They easily could have pinned him there, and now you have a yeah. minute 30, Chiefs have all three timeouts. Now the Chiefs could get the ball and you know easily score. So I think that's something that no one was was really talking about, and I think it was a valid point to not call timeout, even though I think they should have been you know aggressive, try to take the lead there. Yeah, I mean you can say people. I, I've heard people say like that's a big reason why they've lost, not trying to get three points at least at the end. Well, like no, like they're up ten points regardless. I'm pretty sure. What the, what was the, what they end up losing by? I can't think of the final score. It's thirty-one twenty, I think. Yeah, because yeah, Damian so, Williams' last run kind of sealed it. So right. So like, does that really affect the game that much? I mean, you're up. You're up ten. That should have been enough points to seal the deal. So like, that timeout situation really isn't. I don't think that's as much to blame as it is kind of like the lack of focus on offense the last like five minutes of the game. I agree. I, I mean, I think. I do agree, but Shub, I guess the counterpoint to that is you're going up against, you know, and this kind of be where we kind of move over into the, you know, chief side of things, but you're going up against an offense as explosive as that. It's almost, you know, you could have, be of the mindset, like you have to take points wherever you can get them. Right. Um, just because you know they're going to, at some point, you know, you hear it in basketball, like teams, you know, they're going to go on a run, like you could, you know, similar here, like, you know, he, you know, Mahomes, he, not that he, he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. for a good bit of that game but like yeah. like you know going back to that 2010 like where we start 20 to 10 where we started where you just didn't feel like comfortable you know if you were rooting for the Niners like I think that's kind of like also what this is where it's like you know Mahomes is just gonna like kind of turn it on or the Chiefs off you could just say the Chiefs offense in general is gonna just turn it on yeah um and I think that's I mean obviously what happened and then also and this is I just want to point this out because this is what scared me in my pick, but the Chiefs' uh, defense to, you know, still keep, you know, we, we did talk about the Niners' offense, maybe not making the best play-calling decisions, but the Chiefs' defense did play really well. To, yeah. I know they got to that 20, but really kind of coming through when they needed to, especially, like, late game to, right. to allow the offense to have that time to figure it out. I mean, you give up even a couple field goals, mm-hmm. you know, in that stretch. Yeah. You know, it, it changes the game. Right. I guess so. I have a couple four quarter statistics. Jimmy G was three for 11, 36 yards in a pick in the fourth quarter. So that's why, even though, you know, Shanahan's the head coach, he should have been probably a little bit more aggressive and picked his spots when, you know, taking shots, especially on that third and 10 play. But Jimmy G was bad. And, you know, that, yeah. that, that throw to Sanders, that was open. It was there. Should that's they have I mean. taken that shot? You know, maybe not necessarily, but he was open for sure. And then there's another play. When the 49ers were up 20 to 17, third and five, Kittle's open um, down the middle instead of he throws it away. So just, you know, small plays like that, and you know, add up, and yep. that's all Mahomes needs, Kansas City firepower. So On that, on that like, go route to Sanders, you mean, you can make an argument. Sanders might be the best receiver in the Super Bowl, like between him, Tyreek Hill, anti-Tyreek Hill podcast, and, right. you know, Sammy Watkins, like, 
Tyreek Hill. that Emmanuel Sanders is the best receiver in that Super Bowl. So, like, you just got to give him a shot at that chance and, like, let him mm-hmm. at least go f- make a jump ball. Like, you know, like, the golden, the golden rule every quarterback's taught when they're, like, younger growing up through high school and stuff is, you know, th- either he can catch it or Noah can catch it. But, like, in that situation when you have Emmanuel Sanders, but like, listen, you better give him a jump ball. Like, you got to give him a chance. You can't just throw in his prayer. He, you can't just mm-hmm. say, like, either he catches it or no one catches it. Like, it's third and ten. You have to get a first down here to keep your, like, season alive. Like, you got to give him a chance there. And that, that throw is going to keep a lot of 49ers fans and keep Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan up at night. All right, uh, we'll wrap this up. I guess the last big play I, I, I think we have to mention before going is the third and 15, you know, Mahomes to Tyree Kill. Because Mahomes yeah. was, you know, terrible. I mean, the first half, you know, he's you know pretty solid, but then that third quarter and early fourth, you know, those two picks were pretty bad picks, and he missed a lot of throws that were low. So, you know, to come through on that third and 15, do-or-die situation, they don't make that play, they lose the game. So, uh, uh-huh. questionable defense for sure. And I think that's another thing people aren't talking about is the 49ers defense completely just folded there. But, you know, big time by, for Mahomes to step up in those moments, especially that play. Yeah, I guess to, to touch on that too, because it was something we were talking about when we were actually, you know, here watching the game. Me and my friends were talking about it. You know, you could say a lot. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is what he is. I'm not saying anything about him, but you could, you know, a lot of times that play a good example, and you see it a lot. But and not to hate, like anybody would take advantage of it, but having Tyreek Hill out there running mm-hmm. around, like yeah. if you can extend the play even a little bit, which is what Patrick Mahomes is great at, like you'll get this guy open, so right. not. I don't want to say that he's like a bailout, but I can't really think of a better word, but yeah. having him out there to just kind of huck the ball up to, like, even if it doesn't in the great, isn't the greatest throw, he's fast enough to right. get where it's at. Yeah. You know, a lot of times he's catching it like that basket catch hitting the ground. Well, that's how that one was, right. I think, right? Yeah. So, and that's just not even the first time I, I feel like I've seen that. So, you know, it was just huge, but I think it was just, it kind of showed that, that it was, it was, Iconic Chiefs offense. 100%. Yeah, like, another thing, like, you know, Mahomes came out and he had that two interceptions in the second half, but, like, a lot of, like, I, I was, like, wondering, like, during the game, like, man, he's not really on his game right now. Like, it, this isn't really Patrick Mahomes. But, like, people, I, what I saw after the game was, like, Patrick Mahomes literally didn't play offense for a whole hour. You know, it was 745 when they punted away that ball and they almost put him on the one-yard line before halftime. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, halftime show, halftime ends, and the, it's now 8.45, and Patrick Mahomes is getting the ball back on offense. So, I mean, he was sitting for a long time. That's a good point. Longer than usual. Yeah. I mean, but that maybe that's why he, uh, you know, played so bad coming out of the second half. Out of rhythm, like, yeah. Do you guys agree with Patrick Mahomes being the MVP, or would you guys have went to, like, Damian Williams or somebody else? I mean, I don't want to talk about this too long. I think, you know, you can definitely make it case for Damian Williams, but I feel like... You Playoff know, Damian? Mahomes, if he doesn't step up there, they lose the game. So, I mean, you know, and Damian kind of... I don't want to say it was a garbage time touchdown because it was a touchdown to give it away, but, you know, they're playing, you know, inside. They're trying to contain Damian Williams. They cannot give up a first down or they lose the game. So, I feel like that right. touchdown was, you know, pretty pretty free, and it really padded his stats a lot. So, if you don't have that touchdown, there is no case at all. So... I think this was, you know, Mahomes bringing him back, and he's the reason they won the game. So I gotta go him for MVP. I like that. Yeah, I second Ben. I think he <laughs> kind of nailed everything on the head there. Yeah. All right, uh, let's wrap this up. It's getting late, and we already t- 
taped Spencer's part, so you know we're getting a little tired here. But you know, obviously a great game. And last note to end <laughs> I on, I guess, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> Jacob Schubert has to drink hot sauce. So that video will be coming out either Wednesday. I guess you're listening. We're recording this on Tuesday night. It will come out either Wednesday night or Thursday at some point. Hot sauce is on its way from Amazon. Confirmed. Hundred percent confirmed. <laughs> and now, Spencer Jennings. A few moments later. Now join us on the podcast. This is his fourth appearance on the show. One of our favorite recurring guests of all time. He ranks fifth on our recurring guest Mount Rushmore list based on appearances. So he's just you know a couple more interviews away from cementing his legacy on the Division Three's finest podcast. But more importantly, he's a professional three-on-three basketball player that plays in Japan, and he's one of the best shooters in the entire world. Spencer Jennings, how's it going, my man? Hey, BJ Podcast. I'm glad to be back. I did not know I was so far down. I thought I was honestly one or two on the uh, appearances, but I guess some guys have, has, have lapped me, so got to get my weight up a little bit, but uh, put one in the check mark for me today. Yeah, we've had a lot of coaches on the show, so I guess that's, uh, we got to get you on the show somehow. We got to get you in the rotation. I was say, yeah, consider this just your open invite. You know, whenever you're feeling it, you let us know. I'm sure we can we, we can fit you in our, our busy schedules, I'm sure. For sure, for sure. When uh, Tokyo 2020 coming up Olympics, I'm sure I'm going to be making a lot of, uh, I'll do a lot of live reports. and uh, We maybe, can do maybe, that. Maybe just maybe just short buzzes just to get my, uh, get, get my, get my ranking up. <laughs> we can definitely do that. All right. So um, there's a lot of different done, areas. Done. Definitely, 100% done. So just the reason we're here is, you know, doing a Kobe Legacy podcast. So there's a lot of different areas we could start off with, but... I think where I want to start off is the first thing you think about when you think about Kobe Bryant is just I don't think anything embodies or represents Kobe more than you know his Mamba mentality. So let's just start there. What does the Mamba mentality mean to you guys? And is there a Kobe moment that kind of sticks out to you guys when thinking about that concept? Yeah, for me, like um, I was never like the biggest Kobe fan when I was a kid. I was more like a Tim Duncan guy, him being a, a Wake Forest grad, but uh, like. It didn't really matter, like, Kobe on the basketball court for me. It was that Mamba mentality mindset is that what attracted me to him. And his play, obviously, his skill level was uh, second to none. But it was just his work ethic and his will to win that um, just made you attracted to Kobe and made you, uh, or at least me a, me a fan of his. And I could, I could kind of really relate to that. Um, just that work ethic and that mindset to be the best and give it your all and try to, you know, dominate the game with skill, but also just, like, give no doubt to your opponent that, like, you're going to keep coming, you're going to keep trying, you're going to give it your all. So that's what the Mamba mentality means to me. It's just, like, not only your work on the court, but, you know, Kobe studied the game off the court. He was always trying to get an edge, whether it was through reading, through watching, through uh, his, his weight training. So just the total package of uh, your craft and your and your in your drive to be the best yeah I'm, I'm gonna follow up just because uh, you kind of touched on basically what I was gonna say too when I saw a video recently on Twitter um, I can't remember who it was but um, it's that story based uh, Kobe was in the gym before like in the morning the day of a game and there's these two guys training they were going at it and then Kobe um, like he was just out there longer than the other guy, and then after the game, they talked about it, and he uh, he said he's like, I just wanted to show you that like I would, no matter how hard you worked, like I would work harder, and I think that's really like the perfect example. You know, that's it. Like that's the line right there that 
kind of, in my mind, captures the mama mentality. So you touched on a lot of it, but I think it's just that, like, grind and do whatever it takes to be, like, the best at whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that I have for this point, the mama mentality, so I think something that like really resonated with me when thinking about this. So I don't know if you've listened to his interview on the corp, like, um, so big cat, a rod and code grind did a podcast and basically big cat asked him friends like of friends of the program and big cat asked him like, if you could go back and, you know, play in the NBA, would you do it? And he said, no, like, you know, I'm really invested with what I'm doing now. And he said like, if, the next 20 years of my life isn't more successful than the last 20 like i failed and you know they respond like you know that's free like you know, you did such you know crazy stuff the last 20 years like that's you know just crazy to say and he's like if you know if i didn't have that mindset to begin with then you know i never would have reached that point so i think that just kind of embodied like he's you know always looking forward and living life with you know so much passion and i think that's really what the mob mentality is about for me personally yeah, and, you know, follow up as the as the final one. Um, you know, the mob mentality. Come going back to the corp interview, like Ben, you just said, uh, what really stuck out in my head was like he was already preparing for life after basketball before he even retired. Right. Like, two years before he even retired, he was already practicing writing on the plane and like on road trips. And you know, teammates would come up and be like, "Kobe, like, why are you writing right now? Like, you know, we have a game and." you know, so X amount of hours, and he was like, I'm, you know, preparing for the next phase of my life, like, I'm, I'm already prepping for the next phase of my life, like, years before he even retired, and so it's that preparation, and then, like, the determination to be the best at whatever he's doing, that's what mama mentality means to me. It was Jay Williams, by the way, uh, that was who the, the player was. All right, so last thing I got on the mama mentality, so I won't make this too long, but I do have a quote from Kobe, and this was his, actually his message to his daughters on uh, Jersey retirement night. So I'll just read the quote real quick. Those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway, that is actually the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. If you guys can understand that, then you'll see what – you won't accomplish. You won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Something greater will. And if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. So for me, like that quote kind of stuck out to me because I know there's times with the podcast and Chu especially bugs me. He's like, "Yo, like, why have only 20 people listened to this? Why do we only have 50 listens?" And I'm like, you know, like I understand. Like we want to be like invested in the results and be results oriented, but just reading that quote it really more is more about the journey and like you know this is the dream and you know eventually if we keep working hard keep grinding and you know we're, we're already seeing growth you know the past couple episodes like you know that will come so that, Shout out. that quote especially you know, stuck up to me drop the mic on his ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah take that schubert bitch. yeah get, get out, look out. <laughs> all right you guys got anything else on the mama mentality hell no i'm not following that up <laughs> no, no. All right, so uh, I guess next thing I got is, you know, another part of his legacy, I think, um, you know, we all understand kind of more, unfortunately, with everyone, you know, posting their messages about Kobe is his ability to inspire people. And I think, you know, early in his career, that kind of got lost in the media. Just, just, you know, the narratives was like he's a bad teammate, he's a bad leader. Have any of you guys, though, like any of those messages around the league stuck out to you? Or Spencer, like, have you taken anything personally from like Kobe quotes or moments that, you know, help motivate you with your game? Uh, yeah, like, just seeing the way that he, you know, you can just see his will to win and just his stoicism on the court. Um, it's like, 
his his just facial expressions and demeanor was um, so powerful, and it, I think it just resonated with anybody who's a competitor or anybody who's uh, you know been an athlete or not even an a- athlete. You know, you can take that same mindset and Kobe applied it to you know like life after basketball and his business practices and principles, and um, he was never one to kind of make excuses or you know. He just points a finger at maybe some of his teammates that, but that was just because they weren't on the same commitment level and mm-hmm. you know striving for excellence and greatness like he was. So um, you see today, like you know, the little side note about guys just recently just and moaning and complaining about uh, not being an all star, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just you know, if, if, but they you know these same guys are you know claiming mama mentality and and uh you know acting like kobe was their you know life role model like maybe he was but kobe would never be on uh a losing team in 13th place in the the conference and whining about being an all-star he would be like i'm not good enough our team sucks uh if i was good enough then our team would be better and then i would be an all-star so um I, i i like i think kobe just uh had that, had that no no BS excuses. I'm gonna get the job done. If it's not right, then I'm gonna fix it and make it better. So that's what uh, I just respected most about his inspiration to me was like, if, if if it's not right, fix it. Get the job done. No excuses. And uh, I think Kobe really practiced what he preached when it came to that. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of tough. I think one of the things I was going to bring up was Ben kind of touched on it, um, but I think that's a fair point you brought up, especially about uh, the All Star, um, maybe snubs. But um, one of the things uh, we talked about on the last podcast was how he has kind of inspired, you know, across generations, um, and you know, more specifically, I guess a good example is like I heard somebody had a pretty good take on it. it was like. And LeBron kind of touched on it himself. Like, it wasn't – there was a lot of time spent, like, comparing the two of them when, like, in reality, like, it was Michael to Kobe, you know, and then Kobe inspired, you know, LeBron. And that's just, like, kind of how it goes. And then you can also see his influence in, like, so many different players. So so you definitely, like, brought up a good point. So I feel bad, like, following that up. But I just think one of the – like, seeing his, like, presence and, like, across generations of basketball, um, I think it just kind of speaks to his ability on uh, inspiring, you know, whoever it is. And you brought up a good point, too, about it just that mindset can apply to anyone. But, you know, one of the things I think about specifically is just across basketball. I actually I have a good follow-up story. So one instance where he showed the ability to inspire others was with Pal Gasol. And we're going to talk about this later, but 2008 Olympics, Team USA beats Team Spain. And so they're playing on the same team. They just lost the NBA Finals. Pal Gasol goes to you know Team Spain, and they lose um, you know the gold medal game. And the first day of you know preseason, Kobe Bryant goes to Pal Gasol's locker and hangs his gold medal on his locker. And you know, just as an outsider looking in, like that just seems like such a dick move. Like you know, Team USA should win that gold medal game ten out of ten times. And uh, you know, I'm sure Pal didn't appreciate that either, but. Kobe basically said the reason he did it is, you know, they lost to the Celtics and then he loses in the gold medal game. Basically, the message is you don't want to lose three times in a row. He's like, let's get these titles. And they ended up winning back to back. So, 
you know, I'm sure Tao didn't appreciate it at the time, but, you know, it was just, you know, kind of that leadership and, you know, pushing people and getting the best out of them that, you know, Kobe is kind of the best at. Yeah, to, yeah, for you know, sure. follow I feel like up the narrative that, on Paul was that he was pretty soft and he was Euro, and uh, I I didn't know how, you know, he would respond to Kobe's leadership text. I'm sure sometimes it was like, dude, F this guy, like, he's right. just being a maniacal jerk. But, you know, you saw the sentiments, uh, I think, you know, if you check Pogus, I'll tweet it out, just like really heartfelt, loving messages to Kobe <laughs> and, yeah. um, really just pouring out his love and emotion for him, which was pretty cool to see. And then just seeing all the reactions from different outlet, different athletes that Kobe inspired from all different sports. I mean, Djokovic, Kiros in tennis, Naomi Osaka, Neymar in, in soccer, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Formula One racers to, you know, businessmen to obviously the whole NBA um, baseball players, just so it wasn't just basketball. I don't think there right. would be another athlete uh, in the, in in the world right now that uh, you know so many people had a connection with. And Kobe was surprisingly, you know, even though he was very isolated and and, and kind of dark, he also seemed like maybe later in his career extended um, a lot of help and support to athletes who were uh, you know maybe reaching out to him and vice versa uh, and taking inspiration from each other. So. Yeah. Um, just a huge network of athletes um, that he connected with. Yeah, and then just to follow up with that, like, you know, I think the hard work like that Kobe, you know, put in and how much he loved working hard really inspired other people. Like, you, know, you think about, like, you know, LeBron was number one pick in the draft. I think, I think MJ was third. Like, Kobe was the 13th pick. And technically, 13 teams passed on him because he got traded from the Hornets to the uh, – to the Lakers. So, I mean, you know, he worked hard to be where he was. Like, he wasn't always in the spotlight. He wasn't always the best player. Was he even the best player in his draft, technically? Um, because he wasn't picked number one overall. So, like, just how hard he worked really inspired other people, you know, to work hard. You know, I just saw a video where he, he saw, he, uh, you know, he ran to a guy before, you know, before he tragically passed away. He ran to some dude who his son was trying out for the basketball team. And he told his son, like, you know, hey, like, just trust your hard work and just keep working hard because, like, and just love how love how much you work hard because, like, without that, like, it's it's basically like it's not worth it if you don't work hard. So just trust yourself, trust your hard work, and you'll be fine. There's nothing to be nervous about if you trust your hard work. So I think that's how he inspired other people. Right, and we'll get to you know more of his moments, but just like seeing from like his first the first moment we have is like the alley to Shaq and that game if you watch the full highlights like he is not the same player he is like compared to like 2008 like he's completely you know different you just he works so hard on his skill like you can just tell like some guys are really given you know god-given ability and it just Kobe really earned everything that he got so and I think that's pretty clear whenever you can whenever you guys watch him so Sure, yeah. He was always like, he's always talented, but he refined his skill in every single aspect. And just little things like Kobe's footwork is just widely known as the as the best footwork uh, maybe of all time. And that's just from hours and hours and hours of getting adapted with your body and, and, and putting in the time to pivot off either leg, to fade away off either leg, to uh, shot fake, fade away, two guys hanging on you. It wasn't always the best shot, but he practiced it so much that it was a 
what looked like a difficult shot and a bad shot to so many, he had done it so many times that it just became second nature. So, you know, just one last thing before we get to moments. So one thing that really stood out to me just on Kobe's growth and evolution just as a person and in life was a segment that Tracy McGrady did on the jump. And basically Tracy said that Kobe always told him, you know, earlier in the NBA that I want to die young. You know, I want to be better than MJ and after dying young, I want to be immortalized. And, you know, I think Kobe truly believed that at the time, but over the years, like after growing and showing more maturity throughout his life, you know, we've seen that mindset evolve and that passion for, you know, being the best dad and, you know, translating to being, you know, wanting to be the best businessman. And that mindset, you know, resulted in things like winning an Oscar for Deer Basketball just like a year after, you know, retiring. So do any of those post-career moments resonate with you guys more than others? Yeah, I think for me, just seeing him um, adapt to just become like, a normal dad and just loving kind of the everyday thing of being with your kids. Like Kobe was such a ruthless killer and so dedicated to basketball that I think a lot of people wondered how he would kind of evolve into everyday life and to see him really embrace being a dad and loving his kids, love being at home, uh, love not just, uh, you know, the outside of work he was doing outside of basketball, but also the Mamba Academy was really cool to see. So, um, I, I, I figured that he would be able to channel his energy into creative work because he was always such a cerebral thinker and uh, kind of philosophical mind. Um, but I, I just just to see him uh, kind of just become like a normal dad was was a little more surprising to me um, because being so driven, you kind of some people kind of forget the the kind of just being a dad and being there with your kids. But it seemed like he had a such a great drive obviously to to be able to do both and to show his kids and family so much attention while also winning an oscar um was really impressive and then just to touch on the immortalized part it's it's sad that you know he died young and and when he said that almost kind of speaking it into existence somewhat but like bruce lee is also a big idol of mine and same thing with him dying young like he'll always be Bruce Lee in our mind, he won't be the old grandpa ever, and I feel like that does kind of almost. You no know, one wants to die young, really, but like when you when you die young like that, you are immortalized in some way. You'll always be the young person and what could be and, and and held in kind of a reverence. And now I think Kobe really in that mindset too. Like Bill Russell and all these legends get old and kind of fade to dark, but yeah. Kobe will always be like the uh, you know the the basketball player. And now he won an Oscar and. He was obviously so, still so much more to do in his life, but when you die young like that, it uh, it really does kind of put you in this different kind of uh, thing for eternity from an earthless perspective. Yeah, you kind of, honestly, he, I'm just going to follow up because you hit on a lot of things that I was going to hit on. Um, basically, my biggest thing was, like you said, definitely him kind of moving into that like dad role and kind of people seeing a different side of him. Um, but also what I think was impressive was how he's able to still balance being, you know, involved with basketball, you know, like you said, he had connections across, you know, all sports. So like he wasn't, he, he was still able to, and I think that speaks to like his drive and his work, work ethics to be able to balance those, those two things, like in a different way without having basketball. And like, just as an example, I mean, there's that interview where, he talks about getting that helicopter even, and it was because he like needed to be able to have more free time so he could like spend some time with like his family or whatever. Yeah. So 
you know, just stuff like that. And, um, you know, like I said, you, you kind of touched on all of it, so I, I, I don't want to get into, you know, a lot of it, but the, I did want to bring up that example. Yeah. So um, I guess the one thing that really stood out to me is just this new generation and just it's really shown that Kobe truly cared about so much of the basketball community and players. Like he had this connection with, you know, Trey Young, Devin Booker, like guys like he never you know played against in the league or, you know, never teammates as well. So it's just really cool to see how he impacted so many guys around the league. And then, you know, another example is, you know, I don't want to be you know inappropriate bringing this up, but him texting Shaq's kid, you know, kind of out of the blue, the morning he passed away. So it's just, shows how he truly you can't fake that like he truly cared about so many people in the basketball community and you know it's sad that he's gone so early yeah no you know i completely agree with you ben like the thing i always keep coming back to and i feel like i've repeated myself probably you know three times now is just his mentality to literally be the best at everything um no matter if you're like you translate to baseball you know three of the four of us here uh we're baseball players like you know, I, from you guys playing with me, like I always preach, like be the best teammate you can be. Be the, if you're the 45th guy on the team, you better be the best 45th guy in the country. You know, if you're the if you're the best if you're a bullpen catcher, you better be the best bullpen catcher in the country. And he always preached that. Like he didn't care. I'm sure if Kobe was a role player, if he was a six man, he would have been the best six man in the league for 20 years. Uh, that's, that's just the mentality he had to be the best at whatever he was doing, and that's the the main thing that always sticks out to me when you think about Kobe Bryant. For sure. I think, Shub, I think that touches on, too, just how, um, you know, we've already kind of said it, but how the mindset is kind of, and I think that's why he's so kind of inspiring, is the mindset is something that can be applied to really anything. Like, yeah. whatever, like, it is that you do, like, you can be the best at it if you just grind. So, last thing I got on post-career before going to some moments, I think another cool thing is how he's passed the torch to LeBron, and LeBron's, like, fully... Like, he even said, like, he's responsible for Kobe's legacy now. And, you know, last reference to the corp. I'm not going to reference it anymore. But another thing that Kobe talked about was, show. was it was a good show. That, you know, so Big Cat was kind of making jokes about, like, how MJ's the best or the GOAT or whatever. And Kobe said, like, you know, it's kind of a cycle. You know, the bas- basketball is really like a cycle. So, like, things that Kobe learned was from MJ. And then things that LeBron uh, yeah. learned was, you know, from Kobe, like, a playing olympics like team sports and at the time like i thought and i'm sure i wasn't the only one who thought this but he's kind of like oh he just doesn't want to say mj and lebron were better than him and i but you know now thinking about it more seeing all of you know the reactions from guys and you know just you know listening to all these clips i do think there's some real truth and authenticity to his point and you know, I think he was very active to reaching out to people and responding to players. And, you know, whenever people wanted to talk, I'm sure, I think he was there to listen. So I think he really did pass the torch not only to LeBron, but, you know, so many other players as well. Yeah, for sure you nailed it. Yeah, just like, just closing point on uh, all, the, all the Kobe stuff. It's like, I consider myself like a hard worker and, like, uh, definitely dedicated to, like, improving myself. But there's times where it's like, you hear stories about Kobe and then, like, you know, some mornings that you'd be tired waking up and, like make excuses and you'll be like man am i really am i really like giving it my all am i really working my hardest when you hear about like kobe would get up 3 30 a.m work out like eat breakfast like go back to the gym do shooting and then go back yeah. home and get back up and go do stretching and more weightlifting, and then go back home cold shower cold tub and then go shoot like more at night and you'd be like wow like 
I thought I was like actually getting after it today, like doing like a two a day, and he's doing right. like five or six a days. It seems like, and um, just like little things too. Uh, I remember one interview. He was like Vince was like scorching the league, and like Kobe was obviously the still top dog, but. Um, like, they were going to have a game against the Raptors, and Kobe's back, I guess, was, like, really spazzing on him, and he was going to sit out, but then he thought that would give him the, the give the mentality that, like, Kobe was ducking Vince Carter, and he kind of just created this thing, like, I'm not ducking anybody, yeah. and so he's like, your back your back can be hurt, um, you know, next week, you, you can, you can, there's going to be a lot of times to rest, like, but tonight against Vince Carter is not, is not the time to rest, uh, and just like little things like that, like we all have things in our in our day that it would be easy to maybe take the easy way out or, or make an excuse, but there's just sometimes where you've got to man up, step up, and take care of business and and, uh, and 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 prove yourself even when you're not feeling your best. So you got an injury or you got a headache or you know you didn't sleep well the night before. Um, you gotta you gotta you gotta go at it and and and, and just have that mama mentality to. You know, nothing's gonna stop you. Nothing's gonna beat you, and you're gonna overcome it. So, um, just the yeah, the the way you look at things and it's, it's perception to uh, how we approach things is uh, definitely something I'll never forget. Last thing I got is before we get to moments is it's you know kind of like a funny story, but I was at a baseball camp. Yeah, I think it's maybe my sophomore year or something, and a coach was leading us through stretching before we did you know hitting drills and stuff like that. And we're doing a drill that was supposed to stretch your Achilles. And it was like right after Kobe tore his Achilles. And the coach was like, you know, I bet Kobe didn't do the stretch when he tore his Achilles. Like, make sure you do the stretch. I was like, this is fucking Kobe Bryant. Like, I'm sure he, he was he, he was fine. It was This was not his fault. So it's I'm, that always kind of stuck out to me that Kobe was, Kobe's a bad motherfucker. It wasn't because of stretching that, you know, he didn't. <laughs> he tore his Achilles. He probably did that stretch like fifteen thousand times and and overstretched it. All right, I think we're ready for Kobe's eight greatest moments slash accomplishments. So just to clarify, this list was done in chronological order, just to make it easier for us to kind of like talk through not just the moment itself, but you know the journey as well and his career through these moments. So. I don't want to hear any bitching about, oh, this moment should have been, you know, number one on the list. Like, this is just, you know, in order of his career. So, here we go. First moment we're going with is 2000 Western Conference Finals, Game 7 against Portland. Kobe's game-clinching alley-oop to Shaq. So this was a cool moment to watch. I think no doubt this is the best Kobe Shaq moment just together. And I don't know what else to say. It's a really cool moment. And like we were talking about before, it really does show how Kobe's gone, come a long way. Because there are some moments during this game that aren't his best. And they're, they're down pretty heavily late in the fourth quarter. So, and, you know, it's just pretty cool to see that how they came back and how the dynasty started. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of marking Kobe's arrival to the league and then this dynamic duo where obviously Shaq's an unstoppable force and Kobe's the you know one of the most talented young guys in the league and to see them kind of come together and uh, make start their mark on the league, it was definitely a, a, a good good intro to, to the Kobe and Shaq duel that was to come. 
I think another thing I thought was cool, especially looking at the clip, um, just to kind of bring up something different, I think one of the reasons it might be so iconic is just kind of, obviously, as big of a moment as it was, but just, like, everyone losing their minds, and, like, mm-hmm. you have big-ass Shaq running yeah. down the court, like, jumping around, like, all that stuff, so, you know, obviously, like, great moment, Kobe's, like, kind of welcome to the league, but I think, I think more so, like, them being that, like, dynamic duo, I think that's, like, just the moment you would look to. Where maybe not that it really started there, but like that's like the that's the iconic moment, and then right. you know just my personal favorite, just all all nine hundred pounds of Shaq running down the court, <laughs> hopping around. I just think it's comical. Yeah, yeah, you know I think this was like kind of like Kobe's coming out party almost, and it showed how much of a badass he was. You know to trust himself, throwing a lob to Shaq. You know you're only up four. Uh, you just, it's kind of like a gutsy play to throw a lob at that moment, you know, instead of statement. doing a normal dish statement. off. It's, I'm going to throw an oop to Shaq, you know, just put a statement, put an exclamation point on this game. So, you know, it was gutsy play and just kind of the beginning of showing the mama mentality and how much of a badass he was. Right. And I guess another point I have is, you know, if you look back at the Lakers three-point, you think, you know, total dominance. But, you know, late in the fourth quarter, or I guess – beginning of the fourth quarter they're down like 15 it's game seven against portland western conference finals they lose this game you know there's already talks of you know towards the end of the three-peat like maybe it's time for kobe and Shaq to split this up like you know that could have been a breaking point there but you know they really put it together and you know Shaq is amazing in this game like he is huge he's just turning around and just flicking the ball in the hoop it just really doesn't make any sense but it, it, this was really one of the coolest clips to watch when you know rewatching these clips for the pod. For sure, I agree. I think that's like you said about uh, Shaq. I think that's I think that's why it kind of is more of like a duo moment, just because he is so big, especially in that game. Um, but it's just crazy. It's so fun to watch. I think I watched yeah, it the reaction's three, awesome. four times yeah. through, yeah. just over and over and over again. So next moment we have is 2002 NBA Finals Game Four. Los Angeles Lakers sweeping the nets to complete the three-peat. What class? The Los Angeles Lakers have made it three straight NBA championships. So I think, you know, this is more of like an accomplishment, but I think it really shows the significance of a three-peat because, you know, it hasn't been done since. And super teams in, you know, the early 2000s have had chances to do it. You know, the Warriors couldn't do it. The Heat couldn't do it. So I think it kind of, you know, just underlines their dominance and ultimately this they, there might not be a three-point ever again with how much player movements in the league right now for sure and uh there, that was just when the western conference was also it it was it wasn't like they were just beating up on maybe like uh lebron got some easy runs in the Eastern yeah conference pacers the every year. like the west was Hawks. crazy i mean portland was were some bad guys san antonio spurs were obviously really good um the Kings were, were an awesome squad for a while, so they were beating good teams along the way, too, and uh, just speaks, I think Shaq, probably the most big, dominant big man of all time in his prime, mm-hmm. and then uh, combined, combined with a guy like Kobe, it's, uh, if they stuck together, I think they would have had maybe multiple three-peats uh, yeah. if they could have just <laughs> gotten along. Right. Ben, you, you, you kind of hit on it uh, really well, I think, just how difficult it is to get that three-peat, um, and then you know, Spencer, obviously, great points about going through, like, what they had to go through to get there. Um, and, you know, just you combine those two things, it's just something that it's, like, almost hard to comprehend just because, you know, it's, it's like, hardly ever been done before. So, not, 
it's hard to kind of explain like or even imagine what that would take kind of on a it's just on a different level honestly so that's really all i have about it i mean this is just as impressive as it gets and then to sweep to to cap it off um i think that's like the icing or the cherry on top as as you would say right no i you know ben you really touched on it like you know, the Heat only won two in four years, and the Warriors, they won three out of in four years, but they only won two out of three with KD. I think it just, you know, playing that much basketball, it's really hard to stay healthy. You know, yeah. You know, the Warriors really couldn't stay healthy. They had a real shot at it. But, like, it's it's not easy to win one, let alone win three in a row. So, I think, you know, I don't know if it will ever be done again, like you said, but, it's, it's you know, it's one of the greatest accomplishments in sports, not just alone in basketball. It's very tough to do. Yeah, I think if the Warriors didn't get it done, I don't know if it'll ever happen unless, you know, yeah. like Steph teams off with Giannis and LeBron or something, just super, super team. Like uh, like the regular super team, I don't know if the three-peat's ever going to get it done. So, okay, so third on our list, January twenty second, 2006, Kobe drops a career-high 81 points against the Toronto Raptors. This would be 18 for 20 from the line and an 81-point game. 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history. So, for me, I wish this game was, you know, just happened like a couple years ago, or I watched it live, because going through the highlights, it really just does not do it justice. It's kind of like bucket <laughs> after bucket, and it you don't really get to experience it. Like, you know, Clay, for example, dropping some 60-point games last couple years. That was like an experience and I wish I got to experience that Kobe moment. Yeah, and just to like for context too, um, the game today is obviously so much more three point shooting and so much more pace to and Kobe like he shot so many mid range. He only hit seven threes this game. You know, if you score eighty one points today, I'm sure a guy is gonna make, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen threes to do it. Yeah. Uh, and he he I mean he made he made, he made 28 shots uh, that game, I think, and just a total testament to his skill level and creativity. He got buckets in every single way. Um, not a ton of free throws, 18 for 20. Uh, you know, James Harden, it seems like he does that uh, almost every other game a lot of times. <laughs> so um, just a testament to Kobe's shot-making ability. 81 points is amazing. Devin Booker, when he got 72, I felt like that was kind of watered down by losing de- losing at the end of the game and, and kind of get some cheap free buckets. Kobe really didn't get any cheap free buckets. Uh, you know, late in the game, he, he earned every one, and to score 81 points in the game, uh, especially, you know, in a, a te- uh, however many years ago it was now, is it uh, 2006? Four, so, yeah, like 14, 14 years yeah. ago. Um, and, and that era is just, uh, it's, it's remarkable. It's incredible. It was remarkable then, and it's even more remarkable now. Yeah, just to, just to kind of piggyback off uh, what you said about the shot making, one of the first things I noticed um, in, in watching the clip was, well, first, like Ben said, the, the energy, even from the announcer, was subpar, to say the least. Oh, and there's another bucket. Um, but there was a moment he got a like a swing pass like at the top of the key, and he it was really he was in the perfect spot to either like take just one step back and hit a three, or just like it was more natural, but take like that long two like that awkward like two pointer where you're just really right in front of the three right in front of the three point line, and he went with the two pointer and just nailed it. So it kind of maybe not like the best example, but 
kind of how you were saying he was just getting points all over the floor like kind of however he could get them all night so um like and then you all said like 81 just in any scenario is impressive on its own so i think it speaks for itself yeah 80, 81 obviously is definitely impressive you know but a few things kind of any points against that Raptors defense? <laughs> I don't think I could have put up two points against the Raptors defense. You don't think? Uh, no, it was pretty open sometimes. He got some open looks. The Raptors did fall asleep a little bit, but Kobe's also he's you know he's slick, slick a little bit. So right, I just uh, wanted to know. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there like I did with Raheem Mostert. Spencer, but, uh, Spencer, I don't know if you saw, but Schubert thinks he could run 150 yards against an NFL defense. <laughs> Get Patrick Mahomes there for the deep threat. You could do it. Exactly. Thank you. Feed into this. Sorry, Stuba. Hijacked your take. You had to bring that up. So a couple of things that I feel like get lost with this game. Like obviously 81. That's incredible. But you know, you hear the announcer talking about how Kobe had his worst shooting night of the season to date uh, before that game. Um, You know, so like from from going from the worst shooting night of the season. to, you know, dropping 81 points, that just kind of shows back to his mom mentality, like, you know, I'm still going to be the best. Uh, another thing that got lost was, you know, he, he lost his free throw streak at 62 that same night. So, you know, obviously, you know, people talk about, like, oh, you know, I really wasn't thinking about that streak when they're, like, we're going to break records and stuff. Uh, but, you know, that had to be in the back of his mind. Like, yeah, I just lost a 62 free throw streak. So that's definitely a tough thing to keep playing through once you lose that, you know. But he, he continued to, you know, I think he only missed one free throw that whole night. It just happened to be the one that broke the streak. And, you know, he only had, you know, the he only had 38 of his 81 with seven minutes and 30 seconds left in the third. So he he almost doubled his total, uh, you know, in with a little bit less than in a second and a half. So, like, kind of kind of shows you, yeah, same metrics, kind of shows you, like, his mentality. He was not going to lose that game because the Lakers, they were getting their ass beat for the whole game, basically, and he was not going to lose that game, and he, he turned it around for them. But also, not to discredit a little bit, the Raptors, oh. the piss-poor defense. Not to discredit, oh. but to discredit a little bit. The Raptors did not play the greatest of defense. Another thing I wanted to bring up is I appreciate the like the ESPN commercial with not as big of a thing, but they're funny. I mean, that's just that. I don't know what I would do if someone ever dropped. I mean, no, they weren't all on, you know, Jalen Rose, whatever. Yeah. But anyone points on you is like, come on, bro. What do you do at that point? <laughs> yeah. You can't. I guess you can only go and, up. It's not gonna happen again, right? That commercial that, that happens twice. <laughs> that commercial might be ESPN's greatest commercial of all time. I guess that's that's how I would make it through. That's how I'd go to sleep that night. Just telling myself, you know, all right, like at least that'll probably never happen again in my whole life. And not to be overlooked, Kobe, uh, he had two assists that game. So shout out to Smush Parker and Kwame Brown for (laughs) (laughs) research, stepping up when called upon. People forget. Spencer, I got a quick side question before we go to our next point. So, like Shub mentioned, you know, with his diligent research, you know. His streak of 62 free throws, you know, ended that night. I was just wondering, you, what's your record, like, you know, in practice? How many free throws have you made in a row? Uh, you know, one one uh, summer I uh, I did. I think I was trying to go 100 for 100, uh, and 
I did it. I did it one time, and I think I kept going. I think I missed it, maybe like a hundred nine or something. So, Sheesh. um, yeah, like I was, oh, yeah. I was really trying to go. I remember some 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 guy told me when I was young. I and I, I never forgot. He said if you put if you go this, he told me this when I was in like middle school. I was like playing. Uh, like pick up it. It was actually told me this at, at HKIS. Shout out to HKIS. Huge shout out. If you can go ten for ten, you can play in high school. If you can go twenty five for twenty five, you can play in college. And if you go a hundred for hundred, you can play in the NBA. So uh, turned out not to be true, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to that guy. Huge <laughs> <laughs> shout out. That's hilarious. So uh, last thing I got before we get to the game winner against the Suns, um, this was actually the only professional game his grandmother ever watched live. I don't know if that's just bad research by the internet. The internet never lies, but I guess it could sometimes. But you know, if that's true, it's just you know Kobe Bryant's story is epic enough. But that's you know super cool. Yeah. Your grandmother, the only game she ever watches live, and Kobe Bryant scores 81 points out of 122, 22 of the total points by the Lakers. That's just insane. A lot of cool little tidbits surrounding that uh, that game you guys brought up. All right, next moment we have is Kobe's most memorable clutch moment, 2006 first round game four game winner against the Phoenix Suns. A one point game. Walton can tip it. Bryant with the save. Now you're gonna get a shot here. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Bang! So it was tough because we had to include one game winner he's had 36 game winners but you know this in the playoffs i think it's his most vintage one he, he was a clutch player he had the clutch gene so to speak manalix <laughs> yeah and those suns those suns uh lakers matchups were probably some of my favorite matchups of all time uh both uh electric teams matched matched with the with the little suns teams and then colby just uh obviously with the lakers and then uh, did he hit that in Raja Bell's face? Is that that one? Yeah, that's that's the right one. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's the clutch. You know, and the Lakers, they they want to they lose that series. They they did lose that series, so that is part of Kobe's legacy as well, blowing a three one lead. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they got blown out uh, game seven too. But uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, not to be disrespectful. I I I I, I want some. We gotta do some analytics on what Kobe's uh, game winner percentage was. Uh, I don't think it was as good as people think it was, but the fact that you knew that he was gonna, sh- you knew Kobe was gonna shoot the game winner, uh, is that Mamba mentality. And that's why we always love him. He's, he even said like, I'd rather be double teamed to shoot it instead of swing it to the open guy in the corner for the game winner because you know he put the time in and wanted it on his shoulders. So. Yeah. Um, that was definitely a, a, a clutch moment for Kobe and uh, one that we'll never forget. Yeah, no, I think you said it. The only thing I really have to say about this one, just um, kind of how Ben said, we just kind of had to pick a game winner. Um, this one, you know, definitely, you know, one of the more impressive ones, but I think just kind of touching on what we've all touched on, him being that, like, clutch player, wanting the ball in his hands, uh, you know, at the end of the game, I think that's just something I kind of appreciate as a, sports fan a, a, a player myself you know that that's a you know that's kind of a cool mindset to have like it's a good mindset to have so that's just kind of what i get out of this you know some not have already been said yeah so um i think this is like one of the only moments that him and smush parker really embraced each other as teammates 
because um, Coach Parker had that you know incredible steal on Steve Nash to you know get Kobe that Lance tied up before Kobe hit the game winner in overtime. Yeah. But yeah, like you know that's his vintage, vintage Kobe hitting the game winner. He he takes a shot, doesn't care who's on him or how many people are guarding him. Um, and like unfortunately, even though they lost that series, it was still a big shot at the time because it put him up three one instead of going two two. All right, so I just I have a couple you know more points before we go to our next uh, moment on the list, but like you said, she smushed Parker. It's funny if you rewatch you know after him getting the steal and Kobe makes the layup to tie the game and force overtime, you know Kobe like grabs Smush Parker and he's like talking to him. He's like if you like look at his mouth, he's mouthing you know you got my back, motherfucker. And it's funny because Smush Parker didn't end up having his back because the Lakers <laughs> lose the series and you know, Smush Parker's like the guy that everyone makes fun of. So I thought that was pretty funny. And then, you know, one thing I want to talk about, about just like the clutch gene, if you like look at Jimmy G in the Super Bowl, if you look into his eyes when they're down, he, he does not look very eager to go back on the you field. Didn't see it. Like, yeah, you just did not see it in his eyes. And, you know, Kobe. Every time in the moment, even the shots that he missed, like you could see it in his eyes. He won the moment. He won the shot. And it's just kind of the difference between different athletes. You know, people make fun of you when you bring up the clutch team. They're like, you know, there's no such thing. And, exist. you know, it's like, I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Does the clutch team exist? I, I think, it's, I I think so. it's valid. But, you know, it's hard to prove, I guess. I think it exists also. I think that, Jimmy, I think that was a good example of Jimmy G. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a Jimmy G podcast. Yeah, definitely not. Well, I was until he almost lost me. Well, he did lose me some money, hypothetically, but he Allegedly. almost made me drink this hot sauce or eat this hot sauce. Yeah. All right, so uh, fifth on our list, 2008 Olympics gold medal game. Kobe takes over to lead the redeemed team to victory. Paul to Bryant. Bryant looking for an opening, gets in, the runner rolls in. Kobe Bryant knocks it down. It's an eight-point game. Well, you see why Kobe Bryant's on this team. Money under pressure. Kobe Bryant took over the game for the United States when the game was cut to two. That's why he's the MVP of the NBA. This was probably my favorite clip to rewatch because you see all these guys that are, you know, so much younger. LeBron is crazy athletic. It is insane some of the plays he's making mellow and Bosch with the dreads and mellows, you know, good at basketball again. And then Darren Williams makes a clutch three towards the end of this game. It's like, what the f Darren Williams used to be. He was good for like five years. And then his talent left him. Like he's space jam or some. So uh, this was a really cool clip to watch that. I don't know what you guys thought, but you know, it was cool seeing Kobe lead these, you know, young guns to victory. Yeah, for me, what sticks out is just the uh, obviously the game was 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 really important for our country to win and for the USA to get the goal back and the prestige back. But just seeing the now that Kobe's passed, just seeing the camaraderie between him and LeBron and D Wade and Melo and Kobe was kind of the elder statesman and role model for these guys, and uh, it was just cool to see you know it, even though Kobe was such a killer, him kind of softening up and and all bonding together to uh, play for Team USA and to just take back uh, our rightful spot at the at the mecca of the basketball world and in, in, in the league country in the game. And, and, it, and what a guy for Colby to, to kind of take that. Uh, and and for, for Team USA, is, he's a perfect perfect leader that we needed at that time. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that pretty much sums it up. And, I mean, 
especially that it being the team it was, all these young guys, these rising stars, um, Darren Williams, I guess, you know, <laughs> for, it to be, for it to be all those guys, and then you still have, like, this older Kobe just kind of, you know, still leading the way, kind of setting the example, I think that's a, I mean, I think that's another, it's why it's on the list, obviously, but a testament to, to his career, for sure. Yeah, you know, Kobe being the, the clear, clear-cut leader of the team, uh, I think it helped a lot of the guys like Dwayne Wade, Melo, and LeBron even. You know, when Kobe passes you the ball, you better have the confidence to make it because that's a shot he thinks he could have made in that situation or that's a shot he thinks, you know, he's more confident with than you taking that shot than he was at the time. So you, you better have the confidence to make it. Um, and also, I think it just also even shed more like Kobe didn't care who he was playing with or who he was playing against. Like he was, he had the mindset he was the best player in the court. Like you know, he's on that team with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Melo. You know, in like the, almost the prime of their careers, and he's still like he's still Darren the best Williams. player on that court. Yeah, Darren Williams, the prime one year of his career. Yeah. Um, and then like I also like you know passing the torch to LeBron. Like you know, I, I looked at LeBron's stats for that year, like the previous year, and like the year after the Olympics. After the Olympics, like Save the metrics. The only thing that really went up for LeBron was his games played. He went from like 75 games played to 81. But I feel like LeBron grew more as a leader, um, compared like all like off the court and like you know on the court with, you know he still was on a Cavs team with really it was it was just LeBron and nobody else. So I feel like Mo Williams around Kobe for that Olympics, like that really helped him grow as a leader uh, that he is today. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all those guys' stats after this year, you know, LeBron, D-Wade, Melo, CP3, they all have career years after playing with Kobe in 2008. So I think, you know, this wasn't where he directly passed the torch, but it was, you know, kind of leading up to it. But I do think, looking back, this is kind of like Kobe's apex. Because, so 2008, he wins the MVP, they go to the finals, they lose the Celtics. And then he goes to the Olympics, wins gold medal, and, you know, he's probably the best player on that team. And then the year after that, back-to-back titles and finals MVPs. So I really think, like, you know, you could argue maybe some of those younger Kobe years he might have been more talented. But in terms of, like, skill, leadership, you know, ability to win, 08 to 10 is my, you know, apex mountain for Kobe. I like that. That's a good transition into our next point. Yeah, for sure. So next on our list, 2010 NBA Finals Game 7, Kobe wins his fifth ring. Twenty-eight points a game average, eight rebounds, and four assists. The 2010 Finals MVP and the winner of the Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP is none other than Kobe Bryant. So, a couple of my points on this was this is really an ugly game to watch some notes i have it was 33 to 31 with two minutes left in the second quarter which is terrible like a high school game and then the final score was 83 to 97 so it's really hard to believe that this game was only 10 years ago it feels like it's a game that should have been played in the 1980s or something (laughs) what was the final score was it 83 79 is that what you said yeah 83 79 yeah and i like i'll be fully honest like i i was for you know the Celtics in the series, uh, yeah, I was too. That was a Kobe, uh, and Kobe, Kobe had a terrible shooting night, and he was obviously he was for the most part shooting them almost out of the game. But 
just that you could just see it on his face that will to win and to not lose. It's so hard to to beat a competitor like that, and um, you know to have that bad of a game in a game seven and to still win. It just really speaks to the heart of a champion and uh, just that scrappiness and never say die attitude. That I mean, they beat a really good Celtics team in a game where he didn't have it and wasn't very good simply from willpower and that that focus and determination to get it done by any means because you're not going to have your fastball every day and uh, sometimes you got to take it to the mud and, and fight a little dirty and, and do whatever it takes and that's what Kobe was all about yeah um, I was gonna that was gonna be my spin zone was that you know it was ugly but he still got done because right. you know that's like just like you said the the competitiveness or whatever. So um, I think just th- this for in my eyes, um, you know, like I said, you know, it doesn't matter how how you get it ugly or not. It's still his fifth ring. You know, yeah. I think that really just kind of seals the deal on you know just his his basketball greatness in the league. Obviously, it wasn't you know the end, but it you know it's just. It really is like that capstone achievement, I think, for for his uh, career. Yeah, you know, fifth ring. Yeah, it was ugly. I've always lived by the say, you know, wins a win. Um, so you know, he started off zero for four. He had a terrible first quarter, but like he did, it didn't quit. It didn't stop him from being who he was. He didn't quit driving. He didn't quit shooting. He still had that confidence, that mambo mentality that he always has. And I like a, a big thing that kind of people like I don't know if people forget, but kind of like overlook all the time is like. He, even though he was struggling shooting, he found other ways to be effective. He, like he ended up having 15 rebounds. Like as a shooting guard, that's that's pretty impressive having 15 rebounds. And Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the game he had 21 straight points, right? No, that was a uh, game five. Oh, okay, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, you know, the pre-research that I was given to was incorrect. <laughs> but he ended up having 23 points in this game. So even having the bad shooting night he had, you know, 23 points, 15 rebounds, you know, was it? 23 points isn't a really good Kobe game by Kobe standards, obviously, you know, 81. And, but, like, having the 15 rebounds, finding other ways to be involved and be, to be effective for his team was just kind of like how Kobe was always, you know, he had his teammates back. He was always going to be uh, the best he could be, even if he was at his worst at one aspect of his game. Last thing we got before um, our seventh moment. So I have one point on Sasa Vucevic. So... The thing that really resonated with me with this moment is, you know, watching the game live, you know, like Spencer, I was cheering for the Celtics as well. And the Lakers are up 71 to 79 with like 15 seconds left. Um, you know, Lakers are in the bonus and they inbound it to Vucevic and he gets fouled immediately. And in that moment, I'm like cheering, like, you know, who else would we want to foul? Like, this is the guy we want to foul, some guy that's on the bench, the 10th man, like he's not going to make both of these. And he goes up to the line like he's Kobe Bryant. You can see it in his eyes, and he swishes both. And it's like, you know, th- that iced the game, and, you know, cheering the moment is a huge letdown, but it kind of just shows, like, there's, like, a couple of years before that, there's, like, video of Kobe and Vucevic, this guy, like, fighting. Like, this guy isn't going to be, you know, the main guy ever, and he makes the two most important free throws at the most important time. And kind of just showed, like, the years of preparation and motivation from Kobe. Like, he was ready for that moment. Like, practice might have sucked every day for him, but, you know, Game 7, NBA Finals, he was ready, and, you know, he made those free throws. That kind of just embodies the Mamba mentality, I think. Let's go. All right. So, uh, seventh on our list, April 12, 2013, Kobe Bryant makes two free throws after tearing his Achilles. And he is hurting. 
but the Lakers down by two, and they want him and need him at the free throw line. Got it. Yeah, not backpedaling or whatever you have to do to get to the other end. If in fact he gets to the other end before a foul, maybe. Made him. Lakers might foul. They might foul to get him out of the game. That's they what have to. Do. Yeah. This is kind of the next phase of his career after his peak. And it's one of my favorite Kobe moments just because, you know, this whole season he puts the team on his back, um, thought he was kind of done, and he's playing out of his mind on a terrible fit with, you know, an old Nash and Dwight. And this game is, you know, it's tough, but coming back to, you know, swish those two free throws and it's so pure and you can see it in his face that he knows something's wrong is really incredible, honestly. Yeah, this might be one of the more impressive things that Kobe's ever done in that Saints other than obviously with his career, but uh, you know, you see guys tear Achilles and they, they're down and they don't yeah. get up and usually it's like a stretcher off and uh, I obviously have never torn my Achilles knock on wood, but uh, like my dad tore it and I remember asking him like, yo, could you, could you walk uh, could you walk after you did it? He's like, hell no. I was like, <laughs> like Kobe shot free throws and walked off the court and like, uh, kind of just like, well, I guess he's a little tougher than I am, which is a big under, a big understatement. But, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty wild how you can have the mental fortitude to, to shoot those free throws and walk off after tearing your Achilles. So I have no idea, um, how he did that because everybody else that I've seen, it's just like not even a thought to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think, I think just kind of, um, uh, Similar to what I kind of said about the Kobe and Shaq video, um, I think this is just another one of those like kind of iconic moments you can look back to with him kind of limping back like onto the court. Um, so everything you guys said, obviously, in the like the actual act of doing it on its own, obviously super impressive. Like you guys all covered that, but then I think like just in terms of his legacy, like having that like moment of seeing him kind of getting out there and shooting him, like and then. And then especially almost, I think almost now, you, you look at guys like Achilles is almost like a kiss of death. Like, yeah. uh, isn't that what Boogie Cousins had? Like, right. he really Durant. hasn't been the same since. Yeah. yeah. Well, Durant, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think we've just seen more of it where it's like, you know, especially in Ben, like you said, a little in the back the back half of his career, um you know, older, it, it's tougher as you get older. Like, it's just harder to come back from that. Right. And so, you know, all, all of that context, I think, going around it makes this kind of one of those iconic moments for him. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree with, like, with Ben. Like, this was probably, like, the last true, like, Kobe season, maybe even, like, the last true, like, Kobe game uh, where he was, like, himself. But, like, the thing that was kind of, like, kind of crazy to realize was the fact that it was versus the Warriors. You know, he hits two free throws. Yeah. And if you fast forward to this past year, I believe it was in the finals. Am I right? It was the finals when Clay Thompson tears his ACL. Yeah. And he's halfway down the halfway down the tunnel, comes right back out, and does the same thing, hits two free throws. Like, yeah. For Clay Thompson to be playing in that game and guarding Kobe Bryant in that game, and then you know, flash forward to this past year, and he's he does the exact same thing. Obviously, different injury. You know. Yeah. Clay tore his ACL, not his Achilles, but you know, just to hit two free throws on a you know bad ACL, which that's not easy either. It just kind of it's just kind of crazy to think about, uh, like the foreshadowing almost, like where mm-hmm. you know Clay's guarding Kobe, and then now it's happening to Clay. So just stuff like that is kind of just crazy to think about. It's crazy how the world works sometimes. Yeah.
It is cool. That's like good research. That is some good research, Chief. I'm, I am impressed with that point. And that is definitely something I took away from this game, too. Not so much, you know, your point about, you know, the foreshadowing, but Clay Thompson is all over Kobe. Like, you can see, like, his defensive stats haven't always been the greatest, but you can just see his effort. You watch the game, you know Clay Thompson's a good defender, and he's all over Kobe during all these moments, and he's Kobe's still able to drop 34 this game. But, you know, another takeaway is if you just followed the Lakers this season, you know, D'Antoni was the coach, and... It's really D'Antoni's fault that Kobe got injured. Like, he was just playing, yeah, like, ridiculous minutes. This is game 78. And if you look earlier in the game, like, he hurts his knee in the second quarter. It looks like he might be out then. He hurts his foot in the third quarter. Like, uh, the commentators even make a note, like, okay, I think Kobe's done at this point. And he just keeps playing because they need to win to get in the playoffs. And then, you know, obviously I think it was just usage at that point when his ACL goes out. So, you know, it was really tough to see, but it is, like Gil said, you know, it is an iconic moment of his career that, you know, whenever you look back on Kobe moments, like, this has to be on the list. Were those inj- were those knee and foot, was on the same leg? Uh, I think the it was the, I mean, I don't want to misspeak, but I believe the knee was on the other leg and then the foot, I think, was on the same leg. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. My point being, like, especially with the two other injuries being, like, foot-related I mean, as soon as you have one thing down, you kind of start to compensate and stuff. Yeah, I, that, right. I'm more, this is the first time I'm, like, kind of hearing about those other two injuries, I guess. Yeah. But, like, that is crazy to know that he kept putting them out there. Like, that is, that is insane. Right. And he, was still, he was still balling, like, with those. Two well, yeah, I get injuries. it, but the it's just, like, the it's the quickest way to hurt yourself more is to be moving around, especially at a high speed on like a limp or maybe not like with the most natural movements. So with two leg injuries already, that's just kind of absurd. Even if you're Kobe Bryant, like I'm saying just in general. Right. I mean, I like to blame D'Antoni, but I'm sure, you know, Kobe's pushing like, you know, we got to win this game. Like keep me out there, coach, you know? So like, it's, it's tough. We're blaming, we're blaming the coach. (laughs) So, anti-Dantoni podcast. <laughs> yeah, like anti We got to take a stand sometimes, <laughs> and so we got to pick and choose our battles. I think this is an easy one for us. Yeah. So I have another mini moment before we get to the sixty-point, you know, final Kobe game. So this was actually wait, back wait. in my high school days. So me and my friend Dougie, we'd kind of like sneak out shout of out. class sometimes. Huge shout out from the program. Oh wait, bad boy Ben. <laughs> we'd kind of like sneak out of class sometimes and like watch like NBA games. Oh. Like, what do you mean, kind of? What do you, you kind of sneak out of class? It was mainly in between class, but like sometimes, you know, we'd have to do what we had to do. I so guess. maybe you didn't you didn't make it back for the next class. Yeah. Am I hearing that right? S- something like that, okay. allegedly, of course. <laughs> but um, hypothetically. So, one of the games that we watched was Rockets Lakers. So this was after Kobe tore his Achilles, and they were fighting for like the seven and eight spot, which you know, in high or you know. Looking back on it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Like, who cares? But I don't know why it was so important to us back then because <laughs> we get the seventh seed and the eighth seed. But um, so we're watching in the library, and so the Lakers are up three points. It's like 16, uh, 16 seconds left, and this is back in the Jeremy Lin Rockets days. And he has the ball, and we're hoping like he hits like a huge three to like you know tie the game or whatever. 
and it's like five seconds left and he has in like a bad situation he passes to parsons and he shoots just this like flat ass three that goes directly in the hoop as the buzzer expires from like 30 feet out and we start screaming the library we got kicked out immediately we never watched the game in the library ever since then but um it was just a funny moment because like it connected to you know the reason that the lakers were in that moment is because kobe tore his achilles i don't know pretty off topic but I thought it was a funny story. I appreciated the story. I, we got to, if anything, I got to learn a different side of you. There, there's a there's a bad boy Ben out there. Allegedly. Who maybe didn't make it back to his second class. And gets kicked out of a library. I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah. Moment eight on our board. Uh, ben, I'll, I got this one. Uh, so moment eight, le- final one. So last moment, April 13, 2016. Uh, Kobe drops 60 points. Last professional game. 60. Utah will go up the floor with Hayward. 13 seconds left. Hayward on the drive. Layup no good. Rebound gets in the hands of Kobe. Throws it ahead to Clarkson. And Clarkson will dunk it. 4.1 to go. Timeout Utah. And the Lakers close out Kobe Bryant's career with a win. And one of the great farewell performances in any sport at any time, authored by one of the NBA's all-time greats, Kobe Bryant, 60 points. Ben, I'm just going to take your spot here even, too. I'll start off. Uh, kind of, and I talked about this on the last pod, this is just kind of, you know, it was very Kobe-esque, but just a moment that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people kind of just stopped what they were doing, and, and everybody kind of gathered around, no matter basketball fan or not, Laker fan or not, Kobe fan or not. You know, people kind of appreciated in the moment, you know, what was going on. Um, so that's my biggest thing about this, you know, outside of the obvious, like, uh, the obvious greatness of the moment and just how fitting it was for his career. How many, how many shots did he take? What was the official stat line? He took 50 shots. <laughs> 22 for 50. The go out guns blazing like that was, uh, was, was That's was what I mean. Pretty, There's like, no better way. There's no better way for him to have gone out. Yeah, and like you know, for an entertainment value, that's what everybody wanted to see. Like you saw around the league, um, the Suns were watching the game and kind of going nuts. I heard a story uh, that the Hawks were on the team, their team plane, and like Dennis Schroeder was the only phone that was getting Wi-Fi on the plane. So like the whole team was just, and it wasn't even video; it was just like the game cast. So it was like. And they were all just huddled around Dennis Shooter's uh, phone, and they were like going crazy watching the game cast. Like Kobe Bryant makes, Kobe Bryant makes, and they were just they were all huddled around following that. So that was a really really cool story to see. And then, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, like you saw that report about Gordon Hayward, it did look like he was stepping over the line on purpose. So uh, to, in order to ensure Kobe got sixty points. Um, for his free throw, I don't know if you guys saw that story about yeah, I saw uh, that. Rico yeah. talking about how. Yeah. Uh, so, but then, and then at the same time, so the the Jazz they completely blow the game. Uh, yeah. And then Kobe Kobe hits that free throw. They go up three with like ten seconds left, and you know Gordon Hayward suspect like suspiciously steps over the line. Then he gets the ball. They're down three, and. Uh, he like <laughs> dribbles to the hole and chucks up like a terrible contested like triple team two. And so I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, call any 
call anything in the question on, on Kobe's kind of Mamba out game, but I thought that were kind of a little uh, not not the, not the brightest IQ plays at the end, but the, it was awesome to see Kobe turn up in the fourth at the Staples Center rock and, and uh, a perfect way for Kobe to go out. Yeah, so Spencer, I completely agree with you. I was watching like that last minute, and it was like, "What's what's Gordon Hayward doing? Like, why aren't you shooting a three? Like, you're down three. Like, kind of mathematics here." Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Kobe, well, he gave like yeah, Symmetrics. Kobe gave everything he had left in that last game. You know, he he had five shots in a row to start, and then with like a minute left, you get to see how like exhausted he was. But like, you get to see it in his eyes, like he knows he has like one more minute left to give everything he has left in the game of basketball, like the game he's loved so much. And like it honestly just gave me like chills rewatching it, and like one of, one of the cool things I love like about sports like I loved watching this rewatching this like I didn't pick it up the first time was you hear the announcer like the first quarter uh, I'm not I can't remember who the announcer is like I you all know him, like he's always does ESPN's announce he always announces ESPN basketball games um, but like it's it's not Mark Jackson obviously it's someone else I can't think of who it is oh, but hey, bad radio, radio. Yes, it's yes, not yes. it's not Van Gundy either it's the other guy. I don't know. Yeah, who I know. I know who that is. So he always he says in the first quarter he goes he may not score fifty but he will shoot fifty times and then Kobe ends up going 50, twenty-two for fifty. So I thought that was pretty cool for like how like yeah he said at the time like he's not going to score fifty but he's going to score he shoot at least fifty times. Well he scored sixty I mean, he was right technically and then he shoots fifty times. So I thought that was pretty cool. But like his farewell speech was like incredible. Like and then to end with like. You know, to say like Mamba out and then just dropping the mic, like that's just legendary. Like, we'll put that out. And there's another iconic moment. Like, honestly, could be arguably one of the most iconic moments of his career. Like to end like that, but yeah, maybe some people would argue that. I mean, for just for me personally, this was probably the you know the hardest clip to watch. You know, especially with you know what just happened like a week ago. Like, it is really heartbreaking. Like, it's cool seeing all those moments and some of the shots he's making, but. You know, just seeing his family cheering for him during the game, and then his final speech, and then saying Mamba out, like it just, it feels completely different than it did, you know, just you know a couple weeks ago. It's, it really is heartbreaking. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's hard to watch because of what just happened, but it was at the time it was such an incredible moment. It just, it just sucks that we're rewatching this moment because of what happened and not because of something like special, like you know, right. celebrating something. It just sucks that it's a tragedy that we're we're watching that moment for yeah but i mean some of the other statistics he outscored the jazz 23 to 21 in the fourth quarter alone and they're down nine 97 to 87 with two minutes left and to still be able to get the w despite some of the you know suspect Gordon hayward play it's you know incredibly special to rewatch so yeah definitely belongs on the moment of you know top eight kobe moments was that gordon hayward's last game before he went to boston no, I don't think so. Well, besides playoffs, obviously, I think they made playoffs that year. I think he had one more year, and then it was okay. to Boston. So, yeah. All right, you guys got anything else? Uh, no, I'm good. no. That's about uh, rest in peace to Kobe and Gigi and um, the rest of the, the other seven people that died tragically. And it just so happens, coincidentally, in two weeks we play uh, actually a pretty big tournament in Kobe, Japan. Wow. Which uh, Kobe was named after Kobe Beef, which is like a ten really popular meat over here. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it maybe origins from Kobe Japan. So 
I'm going to dedicate that tournament to uh, Kobe and the Mamba mentality. And mm-hmm. I think my teammates will be pretty pissed if I shoot 50 times. But uh, I'll uh, definitely throw up a long two fadeaway and yell Kobe. <laughs> uh, make or miss. So. <laughs> Love to hear that. Do you have any like special Kobe gear or anything? Special what? Kobe gear or anything? I never had a Kobe jersey, but I was a big fan of the, the Kobe shoes. You know, he, yeah. he really inspired the, the low top, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've always I've always been a big fan of uh, the Kobe Kobe shoes. So uh, I'll probably rock some uh, some Mamba sneakers on the court, uh, and um, and yeah, just keep the keep the spirit alive. And uh, but it was crazy just also being over here, man. Everybody, you know. That even even non basketball community obviously really mourn Kobe over here, but just walking around convenience stores and waiters at, at, at restaurants, even Japanese, they all like, and some of them didn't even know I played basketball. Would just be like, "Did you hear about Kobe? Oh, so sad about yeah. Kobe." Wow. And uh, he had such a big following in Japan and in the Philippines is huge basketball. So there's a lot of Filipinos over here, and they were. Uh, just like talking about how big of you know, Kobe was there, China obviously a mass following. So right. it, uh, it it when when the news broke, I mean for that for that week after, everybody was was was, was saying something from all walks of life. Yeah. All right, Spencer. I think that's all we got for Kobe moments. You know, thanks again for coming on the show. This is probably one of our coolest episodes we've done. So you know, hopefully we can get you back on the podcast soon. You know, good luck with that tournament and stay safe over there with you know the crazy virus stuff. I know. You said you're not necessarily fearing it, but you respect it. So, but you know, still stay safe over there. Yeah, yeah. If you can quote me on that, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on again. It was good to reminisce about Kobe, go through some of his career, and uh, you know, like, and if the BGA podcast is looking to sponsor a Pro Three on Three team, uh, have your accountants talk to my accountant, and we'll get it done. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely get that set up. <laughs>